Thank you for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I'm a Norse pagan. And welcome to episode 48 of the Folk Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Filgia, a topic we've kind of covered briefly in the past. However, we got an interesting guest on today to discuss this uh, topic further. And we're actually, uh, he's actually planning with Ian to do a Filgia ritual at our upcoming fall gathering, which I'm excited about. So today we have on Darius, um, who is a f- recording live from a mountain range, or is it just a green screen? Really can't tell. Regardless, Darius. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and kind of give us an insight to your journey so far as a Norse pagan. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, as you were saying, my name is Darius. Um, my journey has been a few years long now, kind of diving into Norse paganism, um, specifically diving into Filgia work heavy in the last year. So Filgia, as most people know, spirit animal with Native American culture. Although that tends to change as you look at the different characteristics. But Filgia is something that I was drawn to from my grandfather's side, being uh, Navajo out here in the West Coast. And we did our little ceremony thanks to a shaman out there. And mine specifically is a wolf. And I know most people are like, yay, a wolf. Cool. Not that cool, everybody everybody's thing is different it everything has different standards different characteristics different i would say different aspects that you need to have in order to gain a certain filia or spirit companion or animal however you want to reference it in particular i found out mine got passed down from my great grandfather and i found that the wolf is very strategic on how it chooses its person especially when it's passed down through your family line It's not just something that happens willy-nilly, like a random person in a family can then get a wolf, but then that line starts there and it eventually get passed down to others farther down the line. But that's a little bit about my history with Filia work and I guess spirit companionship. Uh, so real quick, I do want to, uh, I don't think I actually, I even know this. Uh, where was your front of your first experience that kind of began your journey and your walk on this, uh, this old path, so to speak? Uh, Norse paganism in particular, yeah. or just, well, that's a, <clears throat> a very long and drawn out story. Nice little trickle throughout my entire life that eventually came to a head uh, about two years ago when I just had a, a few experiences that, I, I mean, even to this day, I can't fully explain. I don't know what happened, but it just kind of hit me. And then, like most others in our community, I found your YouTube channel and I started practicing myself. And with practices, you know, I wasn't feeling a whole bunch. I was feeling, you know, spiritual releases, but nothing like dead certain, like no dead certain signs. And I wasn't going to hunt for them either because you've said many times, don't look for signs when they're not there. Then one day I was out actually looking for a Christmas tree with my family. 
and I ended up just wandering off like probably a good 300 year route just kind of off my own world and I came into this just giant clearing of trees with just a boulder in the middle of it just a moss covered clearing boulder was covered in moss too and I walked up to it and I was putting my hand on it as my hand hit the boulder I heard footsteps behind me I was like oh, okay it's just one of my family members I go to turn back look around behind me nothing no one about 25 yards back there was just a solitary raven and I know the difference between a crow and a raven because this thing was huge and it just kind of sat there for like a good 10 to 15 seconds and then I could hear my family calling my name and then it flew off and for me that was okay that it hands down this is what that this is the path I'm meant to be on it's nothing like that was the uttermost sign that I've gotten even to this day. Nothing I've gotten has ever been clear. Uh, that's a powerful story, man. Um, I, I do want to open up to the other co-hosts because I mean, it sounds like we're already ready to die into the Philgia discussion, but um, co-hosts, do we have any questions for Darius about his journey before we just dive into today's topic? Uh, just before we get into the topic, uh, I'm kind of curious about what all deities have you worked with, I guess from the Raven, it sounds like kind of like Odin maybe uh yeah one of the ones i work with the most is definitely odin um i've worked with Tyr more than a few times uh i have a little bit of a military background so it, it's typical of Tyr. um i've done work with freya as well and then hell i know ian has his little <laughs> fantasies with hell and whatnot i think so. uh ian can hear someone saying hell from like 20 miles away it's pretty crazy yeah, I, I think it's farther than that. I'm pretty sure it's farther than that. <laughs> be across the world, but yeah, I've worked with quite a few deities. I don't have any. I don't have a patron or anything like that. And I actually, I really like not having a specific god or goddess to work with. It leaves me open to find my own practices with those other deities and actually discover everything about this path that I can. Well, awesome. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and dive into today's topic. So um, before we go too deeply into like the woo side of this, too deeply into the, uh, you know, the magic side of it all, I do want to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a background for Philokia. Um, Just what I was briefly able to dig up um, is for the most part, you know, this is not something really written in the prose and poetic edda. This is not something we get from that source material. This is something that is loosely mentioned in other sagas. And then of course has been carried on through generations of people still practicing this faith and you know in private until it was actually recorded later on um so a lot of this information it's hard to really give you one yes or no where does it come from is it definitive you know is there one way i mean this is definitely one of those topics where you know you know whatever we talk about there's really not a lot of historical backbone to it but that doesn't mean it's not real um because like i have said dozens of times and like we've talked about here on the podcast um you know this is a you know modern you know uh evolution of this faith it's going to keep growing and growing and growing and things like philgia and even things like the runes are examples of this or there's something that have been kind of carried and evolved along the way um, so one thing i actually um, dug up is the actual meaning of philgia means to accompany which i thought was interesting one of the gross things which i don't know uh if anyone else has heard this as well and again this is just something i dug up and i'm, I'm curious if anyone else has ever heard this 
but it also means to appear at the birth or the afterbirth. And um, I even saw reference to like the Philgia, like eats the afterbirth of like a newborn baby. And that's what attaches it to the newborn for the rest of their life. And I'm like, that's gross, but also like kind of cool. I don't know. It's weird. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't heard that part, but if you kind of look at what we do know, or what we, yeah, what we do know about the way that Philgia kind of follow a, a generational line where they are essentially passed down through your ancestors and usually are connected to an ancestor. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense in like a weird kind of way. Um, Cause I, just from my own experience, I've in the way that I've kind of viewed it is uh, you do have a field gear that is probably already watching over you and is, is, you know, just kind of there in the background, but they don't always make themselves present. So, I mean, it would make sense that like at birth, like, they kind of already know, like, I'm going to attach to this one, this, like, this line of the generation, and then I'm not going to make myself known until it is time for that situation. So, I mean, I could see it kind of being that way, but yeah, it's kind of... Maybe maybe not the whole afterbirth part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it it makes sense, I guess. I don't know. It's a slice of that afterbirth. (laughs) (laughs) So, just to chime in on that, um, versus stories that I've read and I've heard from my family. Um, not so much the afterbirth thing that I've actually never heard that before. Um, but there's two definitive points that I've heard you will see your fill your spirit clearing, spirit animal, however you want to reference it, in full manifestation. That's at your birth and then at your death. Because I'm sure many of you know your spirit animal will guide you to the afterlife when you find your twilight day so just to corroborate with that there's two physical points you will see it and you know that afterbirth thing is a little wild and out there right and like honestly it was just my like pre-research and i had never heard of it before and i was like well now i have to bring this up because this is horrific and i want to talk about it Did it did it say like like regionally like where that was kind of practiced? I feel like that could potentially um, the world be something. Philia means to accompany, similar to that of fetch in Irish folklore. It can also mean afterbirth of a child, meaning that afterbirth and the philia are connected. In some instances, the philia can take form of an animal. Blah blah blah, uh, and it shows itself when a baby is born or as the creature that eats the afterbirth, is what it says. Hmm. So I guess it's not really a regional thing then. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it could be, you know, for all we know, you know, this was something that was said by, uh, you know, the Swedes. That sounds like something the Swedes would be into. And then like the Norwegians were like, <laughs> whoa, you know, we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and one thing uh, I do think we should talk about a little bit more, Darius, you kind of hit the point on a little bit, is um, the difference between like a totem animal, a spirit animal, and then like the, the philgia as well, because there is slight nuances in the differences, and it is kind of a disservice, from what I understand, to call a spirit animal a philgia at the same time. Um, just to kind of break down experiences I've had, a totem animal to me was something that you you kind of guide your actions on your day-to-day, so to speak, not so much your spiritual journey. Like my grandfather got an eagle. I still to this day don't know what it means. He won't tell me. 
<laughs> that's it all his knowledge but from what he told me it's something to guide your day-to-day -day actions now your spirit companion your philia is something that it's innately you like it knows your character better than you do but it's the stuff that carries you through your life that will guide your actions through i mean for as long as you live not so much you know oh hey i need to be wise today or i need to be strong today nothing like a totem animal um so with the philgia i know in norse tradition a lot of the berserkir or Ulfhandar were considered bears or wolves um now there's not much said in that we just know that they took the embodiment of that now that could be a trigger to you know having that personification of the bear or the wolf because that's how they led their lives like they were just these powerful beings and they took on powerful creatures now whether that leads on from the philgia or that's what i would call their totem animal who's to say but for me it, the difference would just be a day-to-day -day action versus your lifetime your lifetime spiritual journey so to speak yeah because like the way that i've always kind of understood it and viewed like the different very similar to like how you see it is like uh your field is more of like a that guiding you know hand that walks with you throughout your entire life and yeah like you said mainly on your spiritual path more than just your you know what actions you take day to day i mean we kind of talked about it uh last night darius uh when we were planning this ritual and stuff like that also like uh, philgia kind of help you kind of almost like learn a certain lesson or like teach you certain things that you may be lacking um you know for me like my philgia is a fox and uh you know he's a an older but as far as appearance wise, he's definitely been more experienced. So just kind of for my interactions with him and stuff like that, I have kind of gathered that he's probably been in my family line for quite a long time. And the ancestor that is tied to him as well is, you know, pretty far back. And the lessons that I've learned from working with him and stuff like that, it's I'll get a certain, you know, advice like, hey, you know, kind of this is if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to let you choose freely, but if you choose, you know, the way that I'm not necessarily suggesting is the best way, I'm going to let you do it. And when you fail, I'm going to say, I told you so. And it's going to be, okay, so now what did we learn for next time? Um, which for me personally is, all, you know, unfortunately I learned the hard way uh, a lot easier than, you know, I'm a little bit stubborn. So that it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that as well. So one thing um, I've always kind of seen the difference as, at least the more I've explored Philgia in the last year, um, is like Philgia are part of yourself. They are your soul and you know, intertwined and merged with it. Whereas a spirit animal is still its own separate entity that interacts with you. I think, and is, does that make sense? Like, I feel like that's how I've kind of experienced it personally. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, so like, you know, I, I think I've shared the the story of like my turkey Philgia, right? Like I feel like I've said that on the podcast before and always yes. hinted at it. Yeah, good, good. Um, <laughs> because it again, it's so funny and something I, you know, I wanted to make sure we bring up 
um, is, you know, I think a lot of people come into this of faith and especially when they start looking into Philgia is they automatically want it to be something really cult, like really badass. They're like, it has to be a bear. It has to be, I mean, yeah, Darius Sears is a wolf. That's great. But I know a lot of people are like, it has to be a wolf or it has to be a raven. And it has to be this, this sign from the gods, you know? And then, you know, my ironic story is I, I do the spirit journey into the other world to see what my Philgia is. And I hear the freaking gobble and I look to my left and it's a turkey and I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me right now. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, the more I've worked with it, you know, now that I have like turkey feathers in my ritual garb and things like that, it makes sense. And now I've had such bizarre interactions with turkeys. Um, and I remember to this day, I made fun of my friend a long time ago. Um, it was like my friend who's not a Norse pagan. She's like this hippie, you know, mandalas, you know, Buddhism, all kinds of things. You know, we all, we all know that friend. Um, and we were walking in the woods and we were talking about spirit animals and stuff. And I was joking with her. I was like, here's would probably be something dumb like a turkey. And then here I am two or three years later and I have Philgia, who's a turkey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's funny how people kind of just, that's what they want. And from what I've talked to, uh, or like they want something, you know, badass and cool and, and super powerful. And I feel like nine times out of 10, that's not what you're going to get. Um, and like one thing that I've, I've kind of learned just from working with Field Gear, I would say it's been about, yeah, over the last year as well, um, is when mine really came to me, is you, it takes time. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's, it's harder to go looking for your field gear than just accepting that they will appear to you when they need to appear to you. Because that's kind of how it was with me. Like I didn't really, like I knew, you know, about, you know, spirit animals and totem animals and things like that. And I had a, a decent amount of knowledge on field gear. And it wasn't something that I felt I needed to go chasing after. And I feel like that's a problem that a lot of people find themselves getting frustrated with as they try to, to really like search for and like how do I figure out what mine is like I have to know like right now like right at the second but usually I feel like at least with my experience it was they they it came to me when I needed it most yeah so I would I, I like to call that imprinting people want to imprint what they want onto their onto their filgia and it's not it doesn't work like that much like you said it came to you when you needed it not when you wanted it. So with that, it was for me, like I knew what it was. I was able to find it without really needing it. But he came to me two, two three years ago when I needed him, when I kind of first started exploring this path. So uh, yeah, I can totally agree with that. It's It's something you have to just let come to you instead of forcing it. Um, so Darius, what um, are there any specific experiences you really uh, you want to share, maybe to help people understand uh, Philgia a little bit more, at least especially with you know yours and the wolf? Because we mentioned you know you don't want to imprint you know what you want, uh, but obviously you got something badass. So um, you know how did you know this was like a real experience to you? Um, so one way I know it was real is as a kid I was terrified of wolves. You know I grew up out in out in Oregon. We have mountains everywhere. We have wolves that will walk into the cities out in eastern Oregon and you know they'll just you know take your dogs livestock whatever so for me as a kid growing up around that I was terrified of these things you know there's just giant massive 
ancient dogs that'll just rip anything to shreds. Um, but then as I grew older, I began to respect that. They're one of the animals that still is true to itself. It's, it hasn't changed. And then later on, um, I started discovering, you know, my Native American ancestors and all that. And then it led to the journey of finding it. And when I initially found out it was a wolf, I was like, how do I even represent a wolf? Like, like what? Like I view the wolf and or like the bear as just these mighty creatures. So, you know, I expect, you know, a mighty person, like a mighty willed person to, I guess, to exude that type of energy, so to speak. So when I initially found it, it was just, I, I, it was confusion, just playing out confusion. And then as I've gotten older now, I start to see it. You know, the wisdom has sharp, keen instincts. It has a strong connection to its pack or its family. Um, leadership, which I'm digging into now as much as I've been avoiding it all of my life going throughout my life now I start to see those qualities come out in myself instead of kind of something that I'm just like I'm gonna do this because I want the wolf um and I've told I think I've told you this Jacob um at the Central Astara gathering I didn't want a wolf at first it's like I, again it was something I was terrified of like why would I want something I'm terrified of <laughs> so yeah it's it was a very um surreal experience for me to find it i didn't i never had one specific just the built up of all of my encounters that i, I it is what it is like i can't dispute it i can't argue it ever and he won't leave me alone ever so I do want to bring it over to Shirt because I'm going to have a wild guess and say you have never had much interest in Philgia. <laughs> yeah, not really, no. Like, I mean, I know it's a thing. And, like, I know some people are just, like, obsessed with it. But, like, no. If I have one, it probably sleeps a lot. <laughs> it's probably a Snorlax, right? probably <laughs> um so i do want to bring it to you from your perspective before we again you know drift too far into outer space with this conversation um you know from you coming from a perspective not having a lot of knowledge is there any questions you have for either darius or really just over philgia at all that we can try to answer here um for our viewers who may not you know be in the, who may be in the same position as you and one don't you know really want to dive deep into it or two just don't really understand it yeah, I, I, you know, I guess with the question, why you said, you know, they will show themselves whenever they get ready. Uh, what are just some steps someone can take to not imprint on a certain animal and maybe like kind of try to seek out their field gear, but not like force it to be a bear or a wolf or a lion or whatever? Uh, so my biggest thing nowadays, especially talking to like, I, I've kind of talked to my, uh, my little nephew about this, uh, cause he's starting to go back into our native American history. Like I did, um, get rid of those media influences because, you know, the spirit animal thing nowadays is what I would call that kind of hippie spiritual movement. It's not coming from the genuine sense of I'm trying to find my spiritual self. It's like, I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm going to do this. 
And so Crypto kind of just fake nonsense out and actually, you know, do the research into Native American spirit totems, animals, like what they represent um, and their characteristics. Now through that, that is kind of a double-edged sword because then you will start to kind of identify the certain characteristics that you think you have. And so that will cause that imprinting on, oh, hey, I need to be this. So you have to go at it with a real level head instead of trying to grab all these different influences and just mash them together. It, it's confusing on how it works. It's hard to explain because there's no dead set way to it. I mean, other than going to, you know, a Native American shaman near you and having the ceremony, which not everybody gets the opportunity to do. I was lucky enough to do it. Yeah, get rid of the modern influences, the media influences. And then another way I would say is try to be your true self when you are actually looking like whether it be you're ashamed of something, bring all that stuff to the forefront because it's going to feed off of that. So if you bring it up anyway, it will just read off that. It'll make the process so much easier. I think a good way of kind of looking at it, I mean, we, we Jacob and I talked about this idea when we did the, the episode about Fender. It's just be true to yourself with the experiences that you have. Like, don't try to make something more than it is you know like you can there's a huge difference between you know like having a a vision or a dream or experience with an animal and then knowing that okay this could be a million different things it doesn't have to specifically be this 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 is my spirit animal this is my totem animal this is my pilgia i feel like it really hand in hand with with yourself and true to yourself with the experiences that you have and it's, it's one of those things like you'll know when it happens like it'll be it'll be so mind blowing and just so real to you that like there without a doubt in your mind that you can say like yes that is it that is my field gear that is you know my spirit animal totem animal however whatever you are particularly like trying to find or look for like you will just know well and um you know i was thinking too when it comes to like you know like you said just be honest about your experiences um you know, just because you haven't found a affiliate doesn't mean you don't have one, you know, it's just like, I feel like people get, you know, dis discouraged when they, you know, they try to reach out and they don't hear back from it. It's like, you're just not that stage of your life where you need to really make that connection yet. Um, and so just like, we, like you said, be patient. Um, and, but also I think there are two different ways, you know, we, we see this with deities as well with really inter inter any interactions we have in this faith is you sometimes have beings reach out to you because there is a need they have for you in your life. And there's other times we reach out to certain deities, you build that relationship, you know, it can go both ways. And I think that's how it works with Philgia as well. And that's how it worked for me. I actually sought out my Philgia. I didn't know what it was. Um, I never had a dream about it. I never had a dream about a turkey beforehand. Literally never thought about turkey besides, you know, it tastes pretty good during Thanksgiving. And now I, I don't eat turkey <laughs> for obvious reasons. And um, so I actually did a ritual, um, like a pretty intense, like, you know, trance meditation to find my philgia. You know, it was a multiple hour ritual. Um, but in the end, you know, that's when I was able to reach a certain place and reach a state of mind that I was able to, to really see, um, you know, the reality of it, you know, because of course, while I was going through like the trance, I had my drum 
And of course I was trying to force things, you know, I was trying to force, oh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a raven? Like, oh, was, you know, well, I'm an Odin guy. So it's going to be like a wolf or something. Right. And so the moment I knew I had reached the point where I was in an honest state of spiritual connection is when I saw the Turkey, because I knew that nowhere in my mind, would I have just created this, you know? So it's like, to me, that's what makes that experience real. And so you can, you can pursue these things. Um, but again, that's where it becomes difficult because we don't necessarily have a guide for that. And like Darius said, you can't just, not everyone has just a shaman you can go up to and ask them to help you to find your philgia. Um, and that's one of the things we're kind of lost in this path is you have to find these things on your own a lot of the times. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I have like a moral of that story, but, you know, you can reach out to them. It just, it is kind of difficult and it does require a lot of work. Yeah, it, it requires, uh, for some people, a painstaking amount of work. It's not, like you said, you can force it, but then once you reach a point where you know it's it's real, you you've reached it and it's it's it'll be standing there in front of you. Like uh <laughs> my mother's spirit animal is a squirrel. I feel bad for her <laughs> because she wanted something cool like an orca, and I was like, well, it's probably not gonna be something that cool. And I could tell through um I actually helped her do it. I kind of I had a I ran a playlist for her and then I had a uh, a shaman drum I borrowed from a friend of mine and I just was just lightly pounding away on the drum and then she was like she came out of the whole experience and she was like are you kidding me and I just asked her what it's like all I saw was a squirrel and I just kind of, I had a grin because I was trying, I was trying really hard not to laugh because it's like, it's a squirrel. From that, I just told her, I was like, all right, well, just do your research and look at that. You've been forced that orchid thing a little too much because I was sitting there panning around the drum for two hours, two hours, 15 minutes, something like that, like a long time. Like I couldn't get up and walk. That's how asleep my legs were. Um, but yeah, don't force the process it will it'll either actually either completely backfire and you'll hit a, i guess a spiritual burnout or you're just gonna completely back off the whole spiritual journey altogether which i don't recommend it's i never recommend that i i feel like almost like if you try to force it i feel like it it takes longer to actually physically find like to find it is kind of like the mindset that I had with it. I, I didn't I didn't find out that mine was really a box. Like I always had I always had a, a connection with boxes for a good amount of time. Um, I would say almost about like a solid two years before I even realized that my field wasn't a box. Um, but I didn't actually meet and get you know acquainted with my field until I was doing a lot of the Sather stuff. And that is when, it, you know, he came to me was when I was doing that because I was finding myself kind of wandering with no sense of direction, which can be very dangerous if you, you know, are attempting things like realm travel or, or you know, spiritual walking, basically. If you wander without any sense of direction, you could potentially get lost and never come back. And that was kind of where he made his appearance. It was you know, that thing of like, hey, you keep doing this, you might not come back. So uh, I'm going to help guide you through this before you do something reckless and stupid. Um, 
as I was getting a little bit more deeper into that, that aspect, like that practice uh, is when I came across mine. So sure. Again, I'm going to wrap you back into this conversation so you don't feel lonely. Um, so one thing that I've, you know, we noticed, especially at the fall gathering last year is like, I would almost call it the veil, you know, the veil between our reality and the spirit realm. And I think that's when we start running into problems, when people get into the Philgia stuff is in order to really dive into the Philgia stuff, you have to believe in the realm travel aspect of this faith. And that's not something everyone really believes in. You know, some people just, you know, they, they want to just, you know, honor the gods, do the rituals, you know, connect with Thor, connect with Odin. Um, and when it comes to realm travel, that's not really their thing. And that's okay, because this definitely is when you're diving into more shamanic things, um, which isn't everyone's cup of tea. Um, so I guess, I, you know, to, to wrap you back in this, is this something like, because I guess the question I have is at fall gathering last year, when we were having all those weird things, those were definitely beyond the veil things. What was your experience, you know, watching all of us kind of react to this. And yet you were like kind of this rock of, you know, well, I don't feel it, but I know something's bad going on. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't really get into the uh, magical side of the practice. I guess that's just not, like you said, my thing, it's not what I'm interested in. It's not where my goals are. So like, I can feel it. I'm very, uh like i can feel energies i can feel different things when they come around i just don't tap into it or like try to like see past the veil it's just not what i want to do so like i can't be it's hard for me to put in trances it's hard for me to do any of that because i am a solid rock like you said um but like at the fall gathering i could feel the energies and stuff like that moving around in the woods and then I was just going around to all the different people who were affected and like kind of just putting my earth vibe into them and grounding them out from it to keep them from drifting away. Well, it's kind of like what I put in the, uh, like the discussion. Well, you well, sure. You're not part of that. So we, I put something in the discussion today um, talking about like what to do with energy after a ritual, you know, because you're so charged up and you need to like ground it again. You know, you need to send that energy somewhere to make sure it doesn't just sit in yourself and like fry yourself essentially. Um, and so I think that's something that, you know, someone like you in that situation, that's kind of what you did. You know, you, you know, these people are so charged up with this energy, you know, they're, you know, uh, and you're just coming up with that rock and, you know, you, you know, putting their ha your hands on them, you know, basically grounding them, you become this grounding rod. And I feel like as a Thor person, that is very, you know, uh, symbolic for you as you're just this grounding force. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, with like Dylon and a few of the other ones, it was like more, I could feel the energy coming off of them. And like, I was uh, taking the energy on to me and then getting rid of it for them. Because that's like you said, I'm the grounding force, and I can, I learn how to manipulate energy at a younger age. So, but that I just don't tap into the magical side. Odin wants me to, I just don't want to. And then you have me, who's just like, let it, just let it go. I'll be walking down whatever direction he's playing. I'll, I'll follow. <laughs> you don't even that nobody has a pointing direction. They just, you just open up the portal and just start walking. Pretty much, yeah. I just wander, and that's, and that's again. Yeah, and that's you know why my philia eventually came into play because I was you know I was I was being reckless in a way um, with that, and it, it's one of those things where they were like, "Okay, my ancestors, I'm sure, were watching me do this, and like we need to send him help right now before he ends up joining us way too early before he's supposed to that kind of thing." So. <laughs>
So there's a couple more things in my show notes I want to make sure we get to with Philgia. Um, first off, I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, uh, perhaps Darius, Ian, we can all kind of share experiences personally and, you know, also kind of talk about it in a larger scale. But what can Philgia really do for you? Like, why would you even want to reach out to your Philgia? And what experiences have you had as far as like, you know, the Philgia, you know, interacting with your life in a positive way or at least in a way that reveals something to you? A good question. I love how both of you, like, you can't see this obviously because you're in the podcast, but both Ian and Darius put their hands to their mouth and looked up to the stars in like the <laughs> same unified way. <laughs> Great minds think alike or act alike. Uh, one definitive that's really kind of a hard question. Um, I can tell you kind of a recent one, I can't really say if it was a definitive one. Um, just at the North Central gathering, the North Central Midsummer we had, um, we were on a property that was there was Native American land that we had access to. Um, we didn't know it at the time. We just thought it was this uh, fenced off area for the cattle in the area. But when we first got to the property, we walked down it. It was kind of like a winter runoff, kind of almost ravine. And every step I got, further and further into that place i felt like i like i did something wrong and that i should have prepared before i entered in and with that i could feel the kind of i'm sure you guys have seen like a wolf or a dog raise up its hackles on its like up on its shoulder blades i felt that tingling sensation just start to happen on my shoulder blades and so at that point i had actually just turned around and started walking back up the hill onto are like the property where we are staying instead of continuing further into that area just because I didn't know what all was there and then come to find out it was Cree nation out there and we didn't give an ancestor or we didn't give a offering to the ancestors out there so that was a nice fun experience later on so backstory that we actually had Zach on the podcast a few episodes ago and he told about that exact story oh yeah <laughs> it was a fun night Getting, getting getting the voodoo out of people yeah oh yeah i would i would say a definitive moment for me um i would say it would it would have to go hand in hand again with the the seder practice because that was really what my feel came into into play um and one just like the particular instance where I was doing you know one of these realm travels like kind of like a uh a say their practice almost like a inauguration or like a, a like your standard like starting thing that you do for that practice usually is you attempt to travel the nine realms and once you kind of get you've done that and you've hit all nine you can kind of like it's almost like your graduation of like okay now you can start expanding into some of the more advanced stuff because now you have a a good strong um grasp of crossing over and for me it was when i was doing my last basically my ninth part and i saved asgard as my last and ninth piece but i didn't i wasn't actually like in the um in like what you would consider like the actual like city part of Asgard or like where it did, I was on like the outskirts like I could see uh, Heimdall's tower and stuff like that and I was just sitting on a mountain um, just kind of overlooking everything 
and I could see it in the distance, but I didn't want to get too close because I didn't really feel like I wasn't, you know, it wasn't my thing to go that far, like, you know, that closer or get that closer. And I just kind of found myself basically being stuck, just sitting, staring off over the distance. Um, and it was almost kind of like, a, I didn't feel like necessarily trapped, but I was getting lost in that I was finding it difficult to get myself back out. And that is when, you know, my field gear kind of just came next to me and was just, he was kind of like, hey, like, follow me, like, it's the time to go and I'll help you get out of here. And we just kind of walked down a different path on this mountain, essentially. And so like, for that's where my field gear definitely focuses on is that, that safety net or that guide to pull me out when I go too deep or I can't find my way back out, you know, because who knows how long I could have potentially been stuck in, a, in this, this trance essentially. Whereas he was able to kind of be like, all right, like it's time to go. And then just kept started walking. It's like, if I didn't well, follow him, who knows how long I could have been stuck. Yeah. And I would say that's kind of similar to my personal experiences and the, you know, the usefulness of the field gear is they really become your guides in the, you know, the spirit realm and the nine realms, uh, however you see it, you know, like they're, they're your guide through the world tree. You know, you can ask them questions, you can ask them where to take you, you can ask them where certain beings are, and they will guide you there. And again, you know, to certain people listening to this, they might be like, well, that just sounds absurd. And it's one of those things that until you actually experience it, you just don't understand, <laughs> you know, it's so wild. Because once you actually get to that, that mindset of like, you know, you are in a different realm, your soul has left your body, and you are in like, the, you know, you're looking at a different place. And it is absolutely bizarre. You're looking at your spirit, you know, your filgia, and you're like, can you take me to see Asgard? And they're like, yeah, just like, follow me. And then you just start following them. And you're like, am I crazy? Because, you know, it is absolutely obscene. But I mean, uh, you can't deny those experiences once you've had them. Uh, but I would say, last bit here um, for, you know, my section is the real world experiences is, um, you know, uh, Ian, you've experienced this now as my guided meditations, as far as like, you know, uh, you know, becoming a tree or, you know, we connected with the lake um, at the, the, the fellowship retreat. And so um, I can't remember if I've said the story here or not, but I'm going to tell it again. I'm going to be that old man that tells stories over and over again, um, which is like the faith anyway. So whatever. Um, but I remember at the Southern gathering in Georgia, um, there was two instances in the same weekend with turkeys and both happened during the, um, you know, the ritual I did. So I basically brought everyone on top of this hill and we did a, you know, sunrise ritual, sunrise meditation to become a tree, um, which is a very shamanic thing that again, I haven't recorded or anything for any videos. It's very private to me. Um, except I talk on the podcast all the time about it. Um, but anyway, so as soon as we got into like a meditation, as soon as we got everyone kind of deeper, you know, we were definitely getting to the, you know, traveling the world tree part of the meditation and trance. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just hear. <laughs> like, and everyone at this point knew, obviously, that like my spirit, you know, my filgia is a turkey. And so you could tell everyone was kind of brought out of it as this turkey is just losing its crap, like right next to us. Cause we all had our eyes closed. And I don't know where this thing came from, but it was just going at it. Uh, and so everyone was starting to chuckle. And I was like, damn it, William. Like, why did you do this? <laughs> um, and then sure enough, uh, Jeff and I had went up to, cause we had our Freya, like our Freya, 
towed him there. Like, and that thing weighs like 40 pounds. Um, so we went to go get it later that evening. And then like, I leaned down, I left another offering. I spoke to Freya a little bit, leaned down, I picked it up and put it on my shoulder. And then sure enough, the moment I throw that thing on my shoulder, a turkey flies out of the tree, like right next to us into like the sunset. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you know? So it becomes to the point where it's almost funny. The synchronicities you start to see. Yeah, I would, I would say kind of like for real world like aspects of it um, with foxes for me. So just kind of like interesting things about foxes in general um, as they are actually very loyal creatures. Uh, they're also very curious, but as far as like loyalty, they are one of the few animals that will mate and partner for life. If that partner dies or they get, you know, something happens with a surviving partner will stay loyal to that that lost partner or whatever um and they won't mate ever again and then what they do is they end up becoming a uh a potentially essentially a protector of the rest of their pack and they will basically be the ones that kind of watch for uh you know other predators and they will basically sacrifice themselves before any potential predator can get to the main pack or any of the younglings and stuff like that um, so for me, like the loyalty aspect for that is a very, very strong thing for myself to people that I care about very much. Um, and, you know, an individual that I do care about a lot had a hospital visit and they were just standing outside the hospital after everything. And they saw a fox just sitting there watching them at night in, in the city, mind you. So it's not like a countryside kind of thing that like there was a fox in the city in the hospital parking lot, essentially just sitting there, just watching them, just kind of watching over them, essentially. And that is, you know, something that I have discussed with my field, you know, kind of like, hey, like, don't always just watch over me from doing dumb things, but watch over those who I care about as well. So it it's whenever like I heard that, you know, it, it was something that hit struck very hard for me. And it was just like, you know, I immediately went and and thanked thanked them and everything for you know watching over those who I care about. You got me looking up foxes now. I was like, I never knew that. Honestly, I don't know that much about foxes besides that that song. You know that I'm sure you absolutely love Ian. What don't does the fox you dare. Say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, foxes are very yeah very loyal creatures. They're one of the few animals like mammals that will mate for life. And if one partner dies, they they will not do it. They will not mate with another partner. Yeah, my, my quick Google searching, it seems that mostly it's birds that are monogamous. Most mammals are not. So foxes are the one of the few that are actually monogamous. Very interesting. Um, one thing just to tie in with the whole realm travel and both the physical sightings of your Philgia, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your Philgia. Like it, it's one in one. It is you you are it, that's it. So one thing that I was experiencing a couple months ago was I did my own kind of trance work out up uh, by a mountain near me and I was just off, I wasn't realm traveling, just kind of exploring the area through different eyes. And I could sense that my Filgi was having a hard time walking. One of its legs was having an issue and so I just kind of, I thought about it, didn't really brush it off, but um, 
like two or three weeks later, I started having troubles with my knee. And I've had knee trouble in the past, but I thought I had it taken care of. And then progressively since then, it just got worse up until about a month ago now, I had kind of a little knee surgery to help give me support back in my knee. So there is a very real connection to your philia and you. It gets sick, you're sick. Like it gets hurt, you're hurt. It dies, <laughs> you die. It's it's very direct like that. So it's one thing I just wanted to touch on with people doing the realm travel, because if you get lost over there and your philia can't help you, that's it. I mean, you know, that's our crazy philia talk, shamanistic <laughs> yeah. practice. Your PSA well, like, for the day. Yeah. yeah, well, that's like what you and I were talking about, Darius, last night. Like your your philia is it's it's its own kind of thing. It's also a, an ancestor, and it is also you at the same time. So yeah, that that ties in perfectly with that. Like it is just as much a part of you as you are a part of it and also that ancestor that is potentially directly connected that is in in this current situation like passing it on to you so yeah taking care of yourself take is taking care of not only that field give but also the ancestor that is passing it on and tying to it um so the last topic i really wanted to get into um as we're closing in the final minutes of this podcast um is something you've already mentioned actually darius is this um it's actually one of the few written source materials we have of the you know at least older source materials is the berserker um ulfender uh like animal shape-shifting that actually appears in Eagle Saga, which I feel like he's running to get right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in Eagle Saga specifically, and I believe it's also in the saga of King Horwolf um, Karaki, there was mentionings of berserkers that transform into animals. Um, and I remember the first time I read Eagle Saga, not knowing this, and it mentions that like King um, uh, Harold, like King Harold Finehair, like had in his guard, like berserkers that were like shapeshifters. And it's just so casual about it. It's just like, yeah, he has shapeshifters. It's like, oh, well, well hold up, what now? Like, do you want to go back to the fact that you just said this guy has shapeshifters in his army? Um, so I just wanted to see, I mean, that's really as much information as I have, but I want to know, I mean, Darius, do you know more about this? Can I turn into a bear or would I turn into a turkey? I mean, in your case, it, it's a turkey. <laughs> which i don't advise ever doing <laughs> that would be more that would be more terrifying than a bear just think about it a were turkey like we've never had that yeah just i don't advise doing it you're not the biggest animal out there you're quite in fact one of the biggest sets of prey we have in the country i wouldn't advise i can fly okay <laughs> not very well my friend i'm sorry and it's just like a, they're like the dwarves of birds they're dangerous over yep. short distances <laughs> um but on the topic of kind of that where bear what like lichen lycanthropy topic um it's just like the wolf the wolf head nut when i did my research into that yeah they were just like oh yeah you know wolves are the elite class of Odin, yada, yada, all these super high-class warriors. And then, you know, four words go by, yeah, they can transform into wolves. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. Hold your phone. No. I need to know more about this. But then, you know, they just gloss over it. So, after that, I looked back into the early Germanic 
um, folklore about, you know, werewolves, you know, going to Romania, werewolves, vampires, stuff like that. And I feel like it goes hand in hand with the transformation into an animal. Now, mind you, we mostly know, you know, bears, wolves, stuff like that. But who's to say you can't transform into something else? Now, if you feel like you have a butterfly and you transform into that, cool. Never heard about it. You know, there's hardly any evidence about this transformation topic. Do I believe it's possible? I haven't reached that level of enlightenment yet. I mean, when I, pay, I, I do, y'all will know. <laughs> I mean, I painted your face pretty convincingly at the spring gathering. You could have just been a wall. Yeah, no, I very well could have been. <laughs> Especially with Eric's little Fenrir offering after oh that. God. I just blacked yeah. out. Yeah, I, I think we lost track of you. I think there was like a full moon or something too. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting with the whole transformation side of it because there's not much about it. We don't like, you know, we know about the berserkir mushrooms and the sather potions that they probably drank to you know enrage themselves or my basic concept of it is probably just battle ptsd at this point um so yeah it's very interesting on where that started and then you know we hear nothing about it except for these small mentionings and all these stories these super it's, casual mentionings yeah Way too it, casual. yeah yeah and there's no, like everybody's just oh yeah you know he's a wolf what he's a man no he's a wolf no he's not everybody yeah, think, else is just fine with it i think it's the uh like briefly it's in the saga of king haraki uh, um bodvar biarki turns into a bear during a battle as a last stand and again it's just like it doesn't really go into detail and it's like so what you're telling me is this guy was like surrounded and then he's just like, I'm going to transform into a bear. And then people told people that he transformed into a bear. And then someone wrote that down. Like, please give me more information about the bear transformation. Yeah, not yeah. only that, it was just accepted, too. Like, that's the funny yeah, part. It was casual. It's just, yeah, it's just a bear like, oh, that's a normal thing to potentially see on the battlefield. You know, like, but what? what's really interesting is just about every culture on the planet has stories where people are transforming into animals. If you look at all the ancient, like even Japanese, Chinese, uh, the ancient roosts, like who were kind of Vikings, but not Vikings. Like, but every culture on the planet has stories where a warrior has transformed into some kind of mythical or some kind of animal. Well, yeah, you have the, like uh, there the who should not be named in Native American lore, so we don't summon them. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you have like, yeah, you have like Aztec, like Jaguar warriors, like that was a big thing too. Like, the same, yeah, exactly the same thing. Like, it is, it is interesting when you look at it that many ancient cultures were just very casual about the fact that there was an aspect of of transformation into an animal of some kind, whether it was a totem animal or you know a spirit animal, philia, depending on regions and stuff like that. But it is, yeah, it's just so casually accepted and just mentioned, like, yeah. Aztec jaguar warriors, you know, they they embody a jaguar and they wear its skin, and when need be, they will basically wrap themselves in the skin and then transform, and they're running through the jungles as a jaguar. Like what? And then everybody's just you know those those writings and texts and whatever information we have, it's it's just 
yeah, they did it. And the only yeah, like, the only source that's different is in Greek mythology, where Zeus cursed King Lycanthia with lycanthrope for I think feeding him his sons or murdering his sons, something along that line. I'm adding it to my page notes. <laughs> One th- the thing I'm sticking on here is that at some point in human history, we have lost the ability or at least hid the ability to turn into animals is what I am hearing at this point. And I am blaming smartphones. These devices, these keep us from having our true potential. <laughs> Without Facebook, I would be a turkey. <laughs> hey, I'll say, have you ever seen Thanks Killing? It'll be like that. That would be terrifying. <laughs> I would oh, be man. more weirded out by a were turkey than like a were panther or a were bear or a were. I mean, but it yeah. is, it's just kind of like what we, you know, I've mentioned it before in like a couple of times, like between the two of us, Jacob. Like we've mentioned it on the podcast as well, like especially when we did the Fenrir thing. Like you're a noted dude. Like I've done stuff with Fenrir. Your field gives a turkey, mine's a fox. Foxes eat turkeys. You know, like it's funny kind of the dynamic that we have. It's surprising that we get along as well as we do. <laughs> I'm gonna hide in my tree. Stay away from me. <laughs> um, well, gentlemen, we are getting to the end of this hour. So I wanted to open it up to, you know, any last questions we have for Darius or any last moment things we want to bring up um, about Philgia. Um, I just have something interesting. It's, I don't. It's just something that I read in one of the books that I have on say there, and it's, it kind of goes into like the, the realm travel um, aspect and it kind of connects with Philia kind of being that spiritual guide. Now, this in particular isn't necessarily a your own Philia. You're actually essentially borrowing Sleipnir from Odin as a guide. Yeah. So it is, it's called, um, this particular rite is called the vulva journey rite. Um, and essentially it goes through the process of purifying the work in space, invoking the Deseer, um, invo- invoking Odin, invoking Sleipnir, and invoking Hell. Now this is particularly going to uh, Helheim. Um, and then from invoking Hell, you go to the ancestors and you get into your right state of intent for why you're going. And then one of those like last steps is journeying to meet Odin and borrowing Sleipnir. Um, it says, what you are offering to Odin in exchange for borrowing Sleipnir, um, a journey to Asgard can be found in a different chapter. Uh, and you may choose to meet Odin elsewhere. But essentially what you are doing is you are borrowing Sleipnir as a guide and you ride him down to and over the gates of Helheim. So it's just kind of an interesting like aspect of like that I feel is where a lot of my, you know, why my field you kind of like came into play because of with the Sather stuff, because like, yeah, there's a literal like right to where you essentially approach Odin, like, may I borrow your mighty eight-legged horse so that I can travel into Helheim? I have not personally done that right myself, but um, you know, it, it's interesting to see like that kind of idea of an of an animal guiding you through the different realms and stuff like that feels so selfish just like hey odin you mind if i steal your horse for the day yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well there's like there's a part in here where it's like it may not work the first time you know it may not work at all ever but like it's an it is a thing that like is potentially available for you to do but yeah it's just it's a very interesting um yeah it's a very interesting concept that i was like once we started doing this, this what book is that again topic this is uh, Sather, The Gate is Open by okay, King Jared. One, yeah. 
Yeah, it's one that I've suggested to quite a few people. It's a very good like um, intro into say there are the different types of things, uh, different rights and stuff like that. And, and it's, I would say yeah, a good beginning thing. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting thing that I wanted to bring up kind of on that topic because it, 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 it almost seems like you are borrowing Sleipnir as a, a animal guide in this case. Um, but yeah, it's a little tidbit of information. So I want to know out of all of us here, which one of us would actually go up to the All Father and ask that question? I know I couldn't do it. Not me. Like, I feel like, I, I just feel like if you're going to do that, you better have a really good, like, offering. Like, hey, I'm going to give you, like, a keg of, like, mead for, like, the use of near <laughs> for a day. <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know. Like, you have to have some cojones to go up to, you know, Odin and be oh, like, yeah. can I just borrow your horse dog? <laughs> I would just ask him. Yeah, because, like, Why it's not? funny, so, like, it's, it's like this process, like just this whole like right, essentially it, that step before even doing that. It's it is like the it's the tenth step into a multi like stage process. Do you have to um, like steal Sif's golden hair afterwards? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, just, it's a long thing, you know. And I, I feel like yeah, it's 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 just it's wild, man. Like, what is this the, fetch quest? <laughs> Yeah, if, for real. If I ever need Slipknot for anything, then I'm in some serious danger. So I would ask Odin, but like, I mean, I don't see that happening to me anytime soon. Right, gentlemen. Besides trying to you know steal or borrow Odin's horse, do we have anything else? <laughs> All right. Well, Darius, I'm going to leave this last second for you. Go ahead and just let people know where they can find you or where they, you know, you don't want them to find you. Just send them on a wild goose case. You know, whatever you want to do. Uh, but this uh, floor is yours if you want to say anything. Uh, there's only one platform you can find me on. That's just uh, Instagram, uh, with which is Olfar Speaking with an underscore in between Olfar and Speaking. Um, uh, other than that, anybody who's interested on your work, feel free to reach out to me. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions and please don't go on this journey alone. It's very dangerous. Ian, you're an idiot. But yeah, just stay safe with this type of stuff. It's not something you should mess with willy-nilly. And at the same day of this episode coming out, um, like later today, if you're watching this early because you're one of those amazing like 150 people that do that, um, I have a bind room video coming out today as well. And it's one of the things I kind of talk about that. Yeah, nice. Um, Darius is showing off his bind room. Um, so the, one of the things I talk about in that is when, like one of the hardest parts for me, and I think it's one of the things for us in the podcast as well, is when we start transitioning away from beginner stuff, like beginner stuff is it's safe in a way because we can, you know, you're just sending people on the path. But when we're actually talking about this more in-depth stuff, it's, you know, it's so hard not to sound like you're trying to control people like, no, don't do this. You know, you know, Ian, we had this problem when we we're talking about Fenrir. It's like, we ultimately can't tell you not to do something, but also like we can warn you that something can be dangerous and that you need to take the proper precautions. So, I um, mean, you know, and definitely when it comes to things like Philgia, this is not day one stuff. You know, this is stuff that, you know, comes along the way in your path. It's not a necessity. You can be like, sure, and not ever go down this path. It's one of the pathways, you know, if you go down Filgia work, runology, um, things like the bind runes, you go down shamanism, you go down Sather work. There are so many different pathways you can take, and they're all pathways that take a long time to learn, an even longer time to master, and there's no need to rush into them, and there's no need to do them all.
Just a quick side note. Um, as I'm as you're sitting here talking about it, where my computer is facing on the window, I just had a finch just like land right near my window. It was just looking at me. Um, Found that out. That was interesting. New Phil here confirmed for Ian. <laughs> you can you can have more than one. I That's will true. say yeah, that we haven't said you that. can have way more than mm -hmm. one. Yeah, I know somebody has like six or something like that. Oh, their life is confusing. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I can only imagine. Um, but anyways, Darius, thank you again for being on this podcast. I think it's been a great episode. I'm really glad we got to talk about this uh, this topic as well. well. Thank you for having me on. Well, gentlemen. Thank you all very much for being on this podcast. And thank you everyone that listens to this podcast. And if you want to be on this podcast like Darius, please think about emailing the folk podcast at the folk podcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a subject you want to mention as well, go there as well and email us and someone will read it. I think, but otherwise, thank you all so very much. And until the hall, skull. 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 Where's your skull? Skull! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs>